Thanks for choosing to spend time in the studio with Michael Card. What you're about to hear in this podcast was recorded several years ago in Franklin, Tennessee. Though some of the details about guests and ministries may have changed since this was first broadcast, the messages discussed in these conversations still ring true. Check out what's new with Michael's ministry when you visit michaelcard.com or connect via Facebook or Twitter when you search for Michael Card. And let us know your reaction to what you've discovered from this classic edition in the studio. This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard. We're coming to you, as always, from Franklin, Tennessee, where it's a beautiful spring-like day. We're recording in January. Here it is, 60-plus degrees outside. Michael, how do you account for that? It's Tennessee. Welcome to Tennessee. <laughs> where I come from, January is something completely different, believe yeah, me. Yeah, I think you referred to this as weather for sissies. <laughs> now, careful, yeah. careful. Our guest today may think like that as well because he's from Minneapolis. We're going to be talking with Dr. John Piper today on the program. Later, Larry Warren. We love Mm -hmm. our brother Larry, who's uh, with African Leadership. He's going to update us on uh, their mission there uh, and bringing food uh, into Sudan. So wonderful friend. And DeForia Land will join us. Now, you know something of her ministry, right? I do. She's a new friend, but uh, she's a a, a wonderful uh, uh, music therapist. And she's going to share with us how she combines her faith and her creativity in ministering to uh, children with uh, disabilities through music. Look forward to that. And yeah. we'll hear you sing in the studio here today yeah. as a but, part of our program, as always. Yeah, but don't turn off your radio because <laughs> no, of that. Come on. Yeah. I do want to start with an email today, Michael. We okay. do this from time to time. And Lucas sent a particularly touching note. He says, I want to dearly thank you so much for all that you've put into your music. It's been the gospel message you write into it that helps me with my walk of faith, especially I'd like to thank you for the song, The Edge. As Mm. of lately, I've gone through a dip of depression. I thank you so much for writing music the way you do, directly counseling God's servants with the Bible on the wings of your music, as he describes it. What an encouraging word. I appreciate that. Um, Well, I I think if there's anything helpful in in the music that I write, it's because um, it is based on the word, but also I've had uh, people like... John Piper, uh, people like William Lane, who've who've uh, come alongside and encouraged and uh, and written uh, some wonderful books that I can steal ideas from uh, unashamedly. And so it's it's great to have you here, John. Thanks for coming and being with us. Thank you. Yeah. Biblical ideas have no copyright. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope that they're biblical. Aren't you thankful yeah. for that, yeah. Dr. John Piper? Of course, is pastor pastor of preaching. Understand now, right at Bethlehem Baptist. Uh, so we use different titles. That's, okay, that's good enough for now. <laughs> well, I should get it right. I should have gotten it right before no, we started no, here that, today. No, that, no, that's that's probably the latest. The rest of us around the country know you for your outstanding books, and uh, we're going to talk with Dr. John here today on the mm-hmm. program, Michael. But uh, we always ask Michael to pretty much always open the program with music. You don't mind, do you, John? No, I we love it. ask him to do that. Michael, will you sing Scandal on for us? Ken Lewis is going to join you here on percussion. Steve Mikesell with the bass. One, two, three, four. The seers and the prophets had foretold it long ago. The long-awaited one would make men stumble. Who'd ever thought he'd be so meek and humble? He would be the truth that will offend them one and all. A stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And many will be broken so that he can make them whole. And many will be crushed and lose their own soul. path of life, there lies this stubborn scandal on, and all who come this way must be offended. Some he is a barrier, to others he's the way, for all should know the scandal of believing. He will be the truth that will offend them one and all, a stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall, and many will be broken so that he can make them whole. Yeah. 
flipped over Could it be that we're like the others long ago Will we ever learn that all who come must stumble And he will be the truth that will offend them one and all A stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall And many will be broken so that he can make them whole And many will be crushed and lose Thank you, Michael Scandalon. And while Michael comes back to this microphone here, John, the whole idea of the, the gospel being an offense to people, that's captured in Michael's song. Right. And I hope we can always make the gospel the offense. The challenge we face is our not putting unnecessary offenses in the way, but making the gospel the offense. But I think probably the reason that song feels so relevant to me is because almost nobody thinks in terms of a calling to be offensive. And, mm-hmm. and we are. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the church growth temperament is not scandalon. The church growth temperament is to fit in, to adjust, to adapt, and thus to get an audience. And if if somebody is offended and pushed away, Mm -hmm. then you feel like you must have clearly done something wrong. And it seems like Jesus had the the alternative mentality. He certainly got a crowd. Mm -hmm. Ordinary, simple, Mm -hmm. humble people were drawn to him, but my oh my, how he drove people away Mm -hmm. and I think the song gets the split exactly right we are an aroma of death to death for some an aroma of life to life for others I don't know if that even goes into the song that particular Mm -hmm. part but the the fact that Jesus himself is tremendously winsome Mm -hmm. when he's seen by a spirit-touched heart that's broken and humble and needy Mm -hmm. but tremendously offensive when his call to suffer and to deny oneself and to humble yourself is heard for what it really is. So I, I think it's an absolutely relevant issue right now. So the gospel is bad news before it's good news? It has to be bad news for for sinners who are on their way to hell. They have to be told that they're in tremendous trouble. I, I think one of the big reasons we don't even think in terms of scandal on is because we don't deal with the real needs first. We deal with the felt needs first. Mm. And so if, mm. if, if you are coming at people only in terms of their felt needs and you're adjusting your message according to felt needs, then it has to sound good. It has to sound good. Mm-hmm. But if you know the real need, the real disease is rebellion mm-hmm. and sin and self-exaltation, you're missing how, a big part how, of it. how are you going to make that plain yeah. without it standing at, sounding at first discouraging? But if a, if a person's broken by that, if they know they've hit the wall and that they are rebels and that they have rejected God, they do deserve damnation, then the gospel becomes the sweetest thing that was ever heard. Mm. But is the is the the hearing of that word uh, preceded by, you know, God's sovereign, sovereign spirit working in their life before they hear that word? You know, the, w- what condition is the heart uh, in t- to receive the word? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, un- until the Holy Spirit works, there will always be resistance. Mm-hmm. Nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, Paul mm-hmm. says. And so the Holy Spirit has to come and break down the obstacles, the barriers, change the way a person sees the world, and mm-hmm. then the gospel suddenly clicks. It's like the way I picture it, I have here in front of me, my my hands, my fingers facing each other, and, and they're like... Uh, Cogs in a wheel, and they're full of junk. They're full of sin and self-righteousness and all kinds of uh, bad habits. And so, when the that when the template or the other cog tries to fit in, it won't fit because they're full. And when the holy what the Holy Spirit does is just knock out all that stuff, so that the heart appears for what it really is, namely tailor-made for the gospel and mm. for God. We're made for God, but you can't tell you're made for God if you're substituting all kinds of things for God and he can't fit in. So the Holy Spirit comes sometimes in and during and sometimes before and begins to just knock out all the the non-God stuff so that when he comes in the in the fullness of his gospel, it, it clicks, which is why I think people get saved. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't argue themselves right. <laughs> into the gospel. Usually there's some profound... It's, fits. It just makes sense out of so many things. It fits who I am in my brokenness. It holds out the right future to me. It makes sense out of the world and out of human beings. But but after after that receiving of the word and, uh, you know, uh, saying yes to Christ, the scandal isn't over. 
for you? I mean, it's, as it's not over. Call ne- neither, neither in my own personal walk is it over, nor is it over in my relation to other people. In my own personal walk, there's the constant reawakening that I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to be selfish. And the gospel itself calls me to deny that, that I might have the true treasure, Jesus Christ. Do you still stumble over Jesus? Do you find that you do that in your walk? I stumble over what he calls me to, and it is a stumbling over Jesus until my heart is awakened to see him. I mean, in my relationship with my wife, for mm-hmm. example, if if she says something that offends me, the most natural thing in the world is I'm going to remind her of one of her faults, too. <laughs> right. Then you're now, even. That is not a Jesus way of talking. Uh-huh. That's, a, that's an offense. If Jesus whispers to me, you don't, you don't get the pleasure of getting the last word here. Mm-hmm. Not if you're mine. Mm-hmm. Not if you're going to walk with me in the next five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, in my walk, along, along that line, just recently, the most scandalous thing that I'm still struggling with, to, to honestly hear it, is Jesus' word in Luke 6, where he, when he says, God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. That's something that... You know, to be totally honest, I still stumble over that. I mean, because I naturally exclude myself from that group of the ungrateful and the wicked. And when I see, again, when there's a conflict with the wife, and I see her as obviously the ungrateful and the wicked one, and, and the call is for me to be kind and to show hesed, to show grace to her in that moment. Uh, and um, I have not yet found or been given, or however that works, the grace then to deal, like you said, Christ in Christ's love with her. That's that's an offense because I'd much rather remember uh, what she owes me or, or the the, the la- her last sin against me, so that we can be even again, like you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. The, the the thing we need to stress, I think, at least this is what I needed to to get over, is that to call the path of obedience at that point, which is a path of eating crow and self-denial dying dying yeah to put to, to call that an offense and leave it there will create the impression in people that the christian life is quite the sad life okay mm-hmm. and therefore i think what we need to say is the reason that is felt as a scandal on is because i am right now not in the spirit i'm not uh-huh. walking as i ought to walk if i could see him as he really is and if i could see the whole picture as it really is the path of self-denial apology uh, eating crow, uh, not getting the last word, is the sweetest path. Mm-hmm. It will be the path with the greatest personal, deepest satisfaction. But it doesn't feel that way in the moment. Mm-hmm. So what we have to say is that when Jesus calls a man to come and die, mm-hmm. it's like C.S. Lewis said, mm-hmm. he never, ever makes those kinds of calls without lavish promises on the other side. Mm-hmm. If you deny yourself, then you will gain heaven. Mm-hmm. If you uh, die, you will live. So that we, we have to both call it a scandal mm-hmm. and we have to paint the embrace of that scandal as the happiest eternal way possible. And we have to incarnate, we have to enflesh in our own lives the, the joyful part of it so it becomes believable. I think that's another thing that I've struggled with seeing and reflecting myself. I, I love to intellectually talk and write songs about scandal and the scandal of the gospel and how other Christians have left that out and missed the point. What's, what's been harder in my experience is to really live out joy. Right. I think that uh, joy precisely in the suffering or the self-denial is what witnesses to the world. Mm-hmm. Joy, the prosperity gospel talks about joy. But with but no scandal. Exactly. Yeah. The world is not impressed that you are happy with your your Rolodex. Yeah. Wait, no, not Rolodex. Rolex. Thank you very much. <laughs> Rolodex is the other. Or the Rolodex for some people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, you're not, they're not impressed that you're happy with your car, mm-hmm. your extra house, your toys. They're happy with those things. Yeah. So how would that witness to Christ? Right. But if you have something taken away from you and you can rejoice in tribulation because God is sufficient, then they have to say, hmm, what's the reason for the hope yeah, that's in this behind that? Right. Well, when you look in the Gospels, I think in in terms of the people that immediately walk with Jesus, Peter seems to be the person who most uh, stumbled. I mean, I, I, in 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 essence, to me, he's the only other fully formed character in the Gospel. It's it, you know, it's so much of the Gospels really the story of Jesus and Peter, and Peter um, struggles or uh, um, stumbles. I think more than any of the other disciples do. He seems to really be confronted with you know, Jesus says he's going to suffer. Peter says. It's never going to happen to you. He 
he's rebuked by Jesus. And yet in his letters, you know, years later, you, you see this person, I think, who's come to grips with, with, with what you're talking about, living, uh, living out the joy in, in a mature Christian way. I mean, well, the interesting thing about Peter, one of the interesting things, is that um, when you think he has learned his lesson from that earlier point where he says, you're not going up to Jerusalem over, over my dead body, you know, and, mm-hmm. then, and then when he denies him three times, you have the same problem in Galatians too, mm-hmm. right? Because here he is withdrawing from eating with the Gentiles because he's afraid of the Judaizers coming up from Jerusalem. Right. And you think, how many years does this take? Uh-huh. And, and that's <laughs> really encouraging because hmm. it, it's, it's a battle to the end. I mean, I don't believe that sanctification ever reaches a point in a person's life where there's no battle anymore. Mm -hmm. And Peter is exhibit A in the New Testament of that. Mm. What keeps you going in those times, John? Well, a whole constellation of things in in the worst moments, fear (laughs) of of hell. (laughs) And I think we should be realistic that... uh, God has told us a lot about the future judgment precisely to scare us. I just read this morning, and it's so, I just read this morning in, in Psalm 2. So this is January 2 we're recording, mm-hmm. and this is mm-hmm. Psalm 2, right? I'm on that track. Mm-hmm. So far, so and, good, huh? <laughs> and uh, what is it? Verse 12 that says, Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Oh. Mm-hmm. Isn't that mm-hmm. an amazing mm-hmm. combination? Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul talks about uh, mm-hmm. fear and trembling. Work your salvation out with fear and trembling, but people don't really take it seriously. They don't. They don't take this fear thing seriously. Mm-hmm. I'm getting off on a track here because I, okay. I don't want to make too much out of fear because mm-hmm. that's not the main thing. But but it's real. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. So that means that my commitment to being a happy person, a Christian hedonist, is all encased with a real sense of the awesome justice and holiness and majesty and magnitude of God who does not trifle with sin. Mm. And so there should be a trembling about all of our sins. So when you say, what, what keeps you going, mm-hmm. what keeps me coming back yeah, a to, the, fear of the, Lord, right. to the spring, I mean, it's the spring that keeps you going, mm-hmm. the, the water that flows from the throne, which is living. But what gets you there sometimes is just sheer terror that if God let me go, mm. prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone yeah. to leave the God I love, I would just go off and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. So that would be one thing. And then the Word. The, the Word is, you know, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And that's why he's like a tree. That was yesterday's reading, by the okay. way, Psalm mm-hmm. 1. <laughs> Planted, when, you're, when your roots are down in the Word, and the desert or the, the storms are up here and it's totally dry, your leaves aren't going to fall off. Mm-hmm. You're not going to cease to bear fruit. You can keep being a blessing to people, but you got to keep drinking. you got to keep drinking. Mm-hmm. And here at the beginning of the year, we've been really trying to get our church. Now, come on, for this year, we're going to be deep in this word together. Drink mm-hmm. deeply. Mm-hmm. I like that concept. In our own church, our pastor encouraged us just this past Sunday, New Year's Day, to be in the Word daily, you know, to be fed daily and not go from week to week without, you know, gorging ourselves on Sunday and then starving ourselves the rest of the week. Speaking of the Word, you have a question for John Michael. Well, something that keeps me going back to the spring is that uh, uh, remembrance of the sweetness. I w- it, for me, it was a time in college, Psalm 119.9, how can a young man keep his way pure? only by taking heed to the Word of God. That was a verse that l- almost literally saved my life in college. And and for you, John, in your life, would you, you know, do you remember that moment when you fell in love with the Word? Um, no, not a moment, mm-hmm. but I can, I can give you two seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first season is the childhood season of listening to and watching my father share the word with us in daily devotions and prayer night Mm -hmm. after night and watching him apply it to the concrete illustration of his own evangelistic ministry when there weren't enough crusades on the horizon we lived off love offerings Mm -hmm. and so he said let's gather together pray as a family that god would open up some doors so that daddy can preach Mm -hmm. and then he would take out his romans 828 sword and say with a big smile on his face, no need for anybody to be afraid. God's going to work everything together for our good. To watch my dad live confidently off the Word of God at the 
nitty-gritty level of making a living mm-hmm. left an absolutely indelible mm. impression. So I knew this word is life. This word is livable. The second season would be mm. early seminary days under Dan Fuller, mm-hmm. where I made the discovery, this shows how dense I am, <laughs> that the Bible, especially the Apostle Paul, argues. It doesn't just string verses together like pearls on a string mm-hmm. and you take one off one every at day a time yeah. and just look at them but it has because and therefore and in order mm. that and it goes from premises to conclusions and and everything exploded for me in those days mm. as as he gave us a method to take a paragraph not just a verse but a paragraph and see how things were foundational and things were in the middle logic, and then there was this great and grand conclusion. I mean, mm. for example, would be, um, I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from mm. from uh, faith to faith. So there, there's four logical steps. Mm-hmm. And I never saw those. You, you, you can yeah. build a sermon out of that. You can build a life out of that. Mm. And for some reason, for 22 years of my life, I loved the Bible as a string of verses. Mm-hmm. And they were like they were like morsels. You would take one and you'd keep it like a lozenge under your tongue all day. I still do that, by the sure. way. I, I take one precious, like the one I quoted from mm-hmm. Psalm 2. I, I just lodged that in this morning because it was so helpful to me. But basically, my, my mm. life and my theology, my worldview flows from trying to trace arguments in the Bible. Yeah, and th- and I think that, that, that appealed to your design, too, because that's part of the way God has designed your mind. You have a very logical a structural way of looking at Scripture that has been so helpful to me, um, and, I, and it's it's neat that that, that God. I, mean, I think design, desire reveals design, because my approach has been somewhat. I'm more of a life situation guy. I'll find out the life situation of a passage, and then it all comes to life for yeah. me. Here's here's an illustration so, of of how that works. If I'm understanding, yeah. it. My, my dad, I think, is a Paul guy. Mm-hmm. Paul argues, mm-hmm. develops long arguments. Right. Proverbs is not an argument, right? (laughs) The book of Proverbs is not an argument. It is a collection. And my mother, in letters to me overseas when I was studying, always quoted Proverbs, Mm -hmm. and Daddy always quoted Romans. Okay. And so you have two personalities Uh there that were so different, and she just loved this one nugget that just nailed what her son needs right now Uh in life. (laughs) Right. And my dad, he wanted me to see the, the big picture of how the... The redemptive mm. history really works itself mm. out. Yeah, it's wonderful that the word connects to, in so many different ways to so many different kinds of people. Yeah, we have yeah. just a minute left, and maybe this goes without saying, but in our conversation about falling in love with the word, it's it's not the Bible that we worship; it's the person revealed to us in the word that we're really falling in love with. Right, John? Right. When uh, Samuel was raised up, it said. There wasn't any vision in those days. And then God revealed himself to Samuel by the word. Mm -hmm. And so absolutely, we only know God through his word. Mm -hmm. Well, Michael, uh, we're going to have to continue this conversation. We haven't begun to mind what we intended to talk with John Piper about here today. We just sort of got conversing here and... Well, the Lord and, and the Spirit led us. You know? and, yeah, and and that's how we are led. I think our programs has to, our uh, our outlines have to go out the out the window. <laughs> we go wherever we're led. You know, Holy Spirit is our program director. Well, let's, um, John. Will you come back next time? We'll keep the tape rolling here so that you're with us again next week, and we'll continue this. Doctor John Piper, thank you so much. By the way, I have to mention where you started the conversation today. Uh, I was thinking of your book, Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has impacted my life a great deal in, in my ministry. So thank you for that and so many other books as well mm. that I'm sure we could all recite. Mm. Uh, Michael, will you set up this song for us that you're going to sing now, The Unveiling? Talk to us about that. Well, it, it just describes the um, the moment uh, of the revelation uh, when we talk about the apocalypse, that literally means the unveiling. And this is just sort of a broad statement of, uh, of the moment when we'll finally see the, the truth of everything we've hoped and believed and longed for literally unveiled. Dr. John Piper, thank you. We'll talk again next Thanks, week. John. Thank you. Here's Michael Card in the studio.
at the rim of the world, see what every eye shall see. Behold, he's coming with the cloud, setting all the captives free. And those who long to see this day will tremble with delight as a sea of upturned faces there is bathed in endless light. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and was and is to come. Though I was dead, now I'm alive forever. Don't be afraid, I hold the keys and I have come. Once the just and gentle victim, who it seemed was born to die. See him now, a blaze of glory, as he moves across the sky. And that majestic silhouette, who's come to take his bride, still bears the healing wounds upon his hands and feet inside. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and was and is to come. Though I was dead, now I'm alive forever. Don't be afraid, I hold the keys and I have come. The great unveiling of our hope, the promised jubilee. The revelation of our God, it's all we long to see. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and was and is to come. Though I was dead, now I'm alive forever. Don't be afraid, I hold the keys and I have come. fitting way to wrap up our first half here in the studio with Michael Card. Before we take a break, though, I want to encourage you to get in touch with us. Your comments and Bible questions are always welcome when you email us at inthestudio at michaelcard.com. There's so much you can discover about this program and Michael's music and teaching ministry at michaelcard.com. Find out how you can take advantage of our weekly email devotion. This brief message, which includes scripture and insights from Michael, can be sent to you automatically. Online, you can learn how you can access this feature, which expands on the teaching of today's study. Also, you can listen again with streaming audio at the radio archives or hear us through our podcast. You can find the program by typing Michael Card when you search the iTunes podcast directory. And a complete listing of Michael's books and CDs is available at michaelcard.com. In the second half, we'll hear again from Larry Warren this week, and we'll meet DeForia Lane, a music therapist, after these messages on the Moody Broadcasting Network. Next time, be with us for a new edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. We'll continue our study of biblical lament as Michael traces the life situations of David in the Psalms, and we'll spotlight Fair Play Camp and their ministry to troubled teens when we talk with Executive Director David Hotstetler and Pastor J.D. Miller. You'll want to have your Bible open and your heart ready to be stirred from teaching, conversation, and Michael's music. Subscribe through one of our many podcast channels. Details at michaelcard.com. And welcome back into the studio with Michael Card, this week's edition. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and we're welcoming back to the program, Larry Warren. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Uh, Good to be here. Back in this country from Africa. And last time you were with us, you, you shared some of the stories of... Uh, how your family, after you had been robbed and you, you went through the experience of trying to decide to, to stay or to go, you, you decided to stay and um, you called, told us a couple of wonderful stories, one from Sudan and then, but the, the last one uh, was a story about you all going up uh, Kilimanjaro together. Yeah. And uh, what a what a great story. So this is what I want to do. I've got a verse I want to read. Okay. And then, um, Larry, I want you to talk, uh, uh, recap us with that story and then okay. talk to me about this verse. But this is, you know, when you sat down in the chair, I thought, well, i got to read a verse to get Larry going. And this was it. Um, 
The Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. That's the preface of the Great Commission. But you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Ends of the earth. That's that's Larry Warren. Mm. Well, you know, that's really our vocation is to be his witnesses. Mm. That's really what that tells us. That's what we're supposed to do. Mm. And not just for the Larry Warrens of the world. Uh, for everybody. You know, and it's, wherever we are in Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. And uh, so, yeah, the Great Commission's for everybody for everywhere. Mm-hmm. And when we were climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, uh, it was my wife and I and uh, uh, 11 other guys. Did the boys go too? Yeah, my two, my okay. two older boys. The little boys didn't. They're uh, too bad because I ain't going back. <laughs> <laughs> so they missed out. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we've climbed for five days, and the, the, oh, my and then you come, it takes two days to get down. But the summit night, and you're going from like 18,000 feet to 19.5. Overnight. Yeah, and you, you start at 10 o'clock at night, and you're climbing all night, and you got these, like, ski poles, and you're going pretty slow. And it's, it's the air's getting pretty thin. And, and so after a few hours, uh, they, the guide, who'd climbed it 200 times, Oh man! Said, you know, we got to keep a, 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 this pace that we're on, and so we might not all make it, and so we got divided into two groups. And the two groups were uh, my boys and all the other guys, and then one group was Mary and I. <laughs> and I, that was it. I thought, oh, this is not looking. <laughs> this is not looking good. So they went on, but they left two guides with us. And you know, one of the things, that, a couple of things the Lord taught me on that summit. First was we can do more than we think we can, mm-hmm. because like that passage says you will have power mm-hmm. that comes from the Holy Spirit. And in the Great Commission, it's a team effort. And what happened for the rest of that night was when we thought we were, we should quit, turn back, Mary and I were finished. Uh-huh. One guy took Mary's backpack, and he already had one, and he put it the other one on. Were these big guys? or No, okay. but they were experienced guys. Okay. And I'd like to have their cardiovascular system, yeah. too, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I mean, he's climbed it 200 times. Yeah, they were experienced. And, you know, we all, mm. in, in the body of Christ, we got to be holding on to each other. The more experienced, hold mm. on to the less experienced. And then the guy said to Mary, you get behind me, and you hold on to my backpack, and I'm going to pull you. Oh, gee. And then he put another guy behind her, and he said, I'm going to put my hands on your back, and I'm going to push. <laughs> And then they said to me, you get behind the last guy and you just hang on. <laughs> you be the caboose. And the point was the four mm. of us made it because the two experienced people were willing to grab on to people less mm-hmm. experienced mm-hmm. and weak. Mm. Great picture. And, that's, and, you know, in the Great Commission, it takes somebody to go. It takes some people to stay. It takes some people to go back and forth. It takes some people to pay and pray. And push. And mm. push <laughs> and pull. And whether it's going overseas or it's right here in your own community, we've all, all got our brothers and sisters that we need to be grabbing hold of hmm. or grabbing hold of, to us because that's what the body of Christ is it's who you hanging on to and who's hanging on to you wow wow I had you respond to that well it was it was uh, uh, the literal mountaintop experience of, of our our last year in Africa uh, but but spiritually we're just so encouraged with what we see uh, both the responsiveness of the body of Christ in Africa yeah. and here in the United States yeah mm. And I know you know this, Larry, but God just seems to be turning the world's attention in Africa in many ways. You know, there's many problems, but there's just so many wonderful things going on, too. There really is. And, and uh, I'm so thankful that it, uh, at this time, the American church uh, is responding. You know, Africa is the poorest continent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Jesus said, I've come to preach the good news to the poor. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. that there's a revival there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, some of the best-known pastors in America, and I won't mention names, but just uh, in the last few months there have been some pastors who said, you know, I'm sorry. I missed out i'm getting in late on the hiv and aids epidemic in africa Mm. which is the largest medical crisis in our lifetime Mm. but there are american churches and individuals responding now yeah and i'm just so encouraged to see people go and give maybe we have turned that corner i think we have yeah i think we have and we need organizations like african leadership to help kind of shine a light on where we need to go well and i think one of the things that's really unique about larry's ministry is that he coordinates other ministries because you were there in africa as a a missionary before and you saw how how uh unproductive a lot of the work was because it wasn't coordinated yeah yeah and we we're really you know i mean what tell tell about that i mean what did you how, how did you get into this coordinating type ministry role 
Well, uh, two things. Uh, first, when we lived in South Africa back before Mandela was elected, and it was a pretty dangerous time, a lot of racial stress. and, and uh, Well, the church you went to was bombed. Yeah, that uh, was an indication of the... Uh, <laughs> In fact, it wasn't very safe. Yeah. You know? Pretty stressful. Yeah, yeah. it was. Very it was. perceptive. In yeah. fact, a, a grenade went off in the seat that you would have been in if you hadn't been late for that's church exactly, that day. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and so, and we, uh, you know, I'd been going back and forth in this township that your daughters visited. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I, I was thinking, uh, it's too dangerous. I can't work here. But then I realized, you know, they're African brothers and sisters that they can work there. And so let's just empower them. Mm-hmm. And so even though I'd come to teach this uh, Bible training course and I had a class of about 20 people I thought you know what I bet I can find a, an African brother that would do this and it really wouldn't be risking his life mm-hmm. uh, as a, like I was as a white guy going into a black volatile area so that's mm-hmm. what the Lord really used to give me the the idea of supporting the nationals there's a role for missionaries I mean I've been a missionary for seven years I'm, it's not either or mm-hmm. but it, wherever you go in the world you got to ask yourself what's the most efficient strategy right and sometimes it's it's uh it's usually equipping the local brothers. It's good to work yourself out of a job. It is. Yeah. It is. I've been unemployed many times. <laughs> and, and, and when you compare the cost of uh, sending, because I've learned this one from uh, working with WorldServe, sending a, a, a missionary and supporting a mis- uh, foreign missionary as compared to supporting someone who's local, it's just ridiculous, the difference. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes, and as compared to... 15, 20 bucks a month or something. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. The it difference. is. And so the partnership is, you know, uh, African leadership, we, we train church leaders, but we also see ourselves as missions brokers. Hmm. You know, really, we're trying to connect people with resources, not just financial, but expertise, time, talent, uh, hmm. with the African church. Because there is a healthy body of Christ that we, if we get in partnership yeah. with, the Lord will, will make clear the way forward. Larry, you must spend a lot of time listening to what the, the African people are saying to you about what the needs are. Well, uh, yeah, uh, that that's the other advantage that missionaries have. That's why I say I'm all for people going. Mm-hmm. But when you get there, don't come with your, uh, with your agenda. Mm-hmm. Come in and, and listen, and, because they usually know what they need. And in Africa especially, there's a, a spiritually mature body. They mm-hmm. may be physically impoverished, but they're spiritually rich and mature. Mm-hmm. And if we'll listen, They'll tell us what they need and mm-hmm. how we can serve them. Mm-hmm. And this is really the, the 21st century is the, is the century of serving. You know, there was a century of sending mm. and then a century of sharing. And mm. now I believe this is the century of us serving, not just in Africa, but all over the developing world, mm. where that's the majority of the body of Christ, you know, mm-hmm. is in China and Africa, South America, yeah. not in the U.S. or Europe. Well, I think it's it's fascinating now that God is raising up mi- uh, missionaries from Africa to come back to America to share the gospel. I mean, have you heard some stories like that? That's amazing. Oh to yeah, me. well, you know, right here in, in Nashville, uh, Michael, you know, there there are forty three hundred African immigrants. Mm-hmm. We have the largest Sudanese group right in, yeah. in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are more over a thousand Sudanese right here. Now a lot of them didn't come as. Uh, uh, to be missionaries on purpose. You know, mm-hmm. they're refugees. Right. But they, they are missionaries. They were persecuted for their faith. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I was in Sudan, uh, it's amazing the stories. One of the guys said, you know, I'm so thankful for the war. I said, what do you mean? Mm. He said, well, because it separated the believers from the make-believers. Think of that. Wow. And so people come with that kind of faith to the United States. It's a wake-up call to us about how serious are we really about following Jesus, wow. no matter the cost. Mm. Yeah, the bridge goes back the other way, and we have so much to benefit from from China and and uh, and Africa and places like that. They can they can feed us, and and we can feed them. It goes both ways. Larry, it always stirs our hearts when you come in the studio and talk about these things. You know that, and I trust it's doing the same in our listeners' hearts. Yeah, as they listen, I, I hope I hope so. And and uh, we want to encourage everyone to go go to the website and find that link to uh, African leadership. And once you go in that door, I mean, how many different ministries are you guys involved with? I mean, not just training, but well, that's the main thing is training church leaders. But what we want to do is, you know, if you work in Africa. You, it's what you said about listening, Wayne. You know, not only listening, you see the physical needs. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus said, uh, as you minister to the least of the brothers, you minister to me. And he told us exactly who those six groups were. We don't have to wor- wonder who are we supposed to minister to. Mm-hmm. He said the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the strangers, the sick, and those in prison. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not in a, a an intentional relationship with somebody in those six groups, we're missing out. Wow. Mm-hmm. And in Africa, the physical needs are so obvious, we want to fund 
relief and development in the same communities. So what I mean by that is we have skills training programs for the unemployed. We have uh, schools for uh, orphans and street children. Fabulous. And uh, we have feeding programs for people in, in crisis in places like the Sudan or Malawi. So it's a various, it's a variety of ministries, but it comes back to the partnerships we started with. Mm -hmm. We just connect U.S. groups with African churches to meet the needs of the body. And the coordination is just amazing. It's really the body. We've got to learn more about this. And the website, I think, is the best link. It's a good suggestion, Michael. Go to michaelcard.com. And the link is there for African Leadership, founded by our guest today, Larry Warren. Larry, thank you. Thanks for coming back. Good to be here. Michael, we meet some wonderful people here in the studio, sometimes on the telephone, and sometimes there are people that uh, you know or yeah. I know, and sometimes they're just friends of friends. Well, that's one of the wonderful things about community is uh, we get connected to each other, but then uh, someone will say, well, you've got to meet yeah. so-and-so. It's and never-ending. Yeah, and, and it, it's it is. great. It, and and there's, it, there are people that you would have never met otherwise. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. DeForia Lane is uh, a, a, f- a new friend who came to us through Dr. John Mulder, who's been on the show several right. times. Any friend of John Mulders is a friend of ours. Uh, Dr. Lane, welcome. My pleasure. Thank you. Introduce us to you and your family, if you would. Well, I am a wife of one, a mother of two. (laughs) Uh, We've been married, my husband Ernest and I, for about 35 years now, and we have two wonderful sons, uh, Curtis and Martin. They are grown and out of the house, so we're empty nesters as well in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm. And music plays an important part in your life in many ways. Indeed. Indeed it does. Uh, I'm a music therapist and a board-certified music therapist, if uh, all of the initials are there. And mm-hmm. um, it started mm, 27 years ago when I was flipping through a catalog and found Introduction to Music Therapy as a course in grad school. Mm-hmm. and. I took it, and it has been nothing short of a gift uh, from the Lord ever since. So now I'm um, working in the University Hospitals of Cleveland, their Ireland Cancer Center, using music in a myriad of ways to minister to patients, families, and the staff. Now, your background was in opera, was it not? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathleen Babel and I were roommates for wow. four years throughout uh, University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music, mm-hmm. and I did study opera there. That was my degree, and uh, even sang a little bit in, in Germany. Uh, my husband was stationed there. Mm-hmm. But it didn't mix well with wanting to be a mom and a wife, mm-hmm. um, so I wanted to pursue something that would uh, enable me to to be at home as well, and uh, later found, again, that music therapy course. Michael, wouldn't you have liked to have heard uh, Kathleen Battle and DeForia wow. in the dormitory? <laughs> wow. I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, we were quite a pair, I can tell you that. Well, after you saw the the uh, uh, the prospectus on uh, uh, music therapy, I mean, w- what happened then? Well, I I had always recognized Michael the the idea of music changing people, literally mm-hmm. transforming people. When I was five years old, I remember watching in my church. I was raised um, in a Methodist church coming up, and and the the older women with very arthritic knees and Hmm. legs would walk down the aisle very gingerly, very carefully. But you let the choir start singing, Mm. and I'll tell you there, and I'm not talking about ripping and running up and down the aisle, but I'm talking about hands, I mean, moving with such fluidness and and being able to, um, to stand and know sign of arthritis at that time Mm. and some of the most stone-faced deacons who (laughs) looked very stern you let his eyes on you let that start singing and their their faces were wet with tears so i knew that music had the ability to reach people where words could not. Mm. And and that's what some of the curriculum taught us throughout school, and that is what are ways you can use music 
to minister mm. and um, to, to do it in a very organized, structured, um, purposeful way. Mm-hmm. And you do that within the medical community. How does that work? Well, using music for helping to reduce pain, for example, um, I think one of the greatest examples biblically is that of Saul being soothed. Well, we know that music, using it, its rhythm, and of course its words sometimes too, can literally entrain the heartbeat. Let's say you have a racing heart, I mean, you're upset, you're nervous, you're anxious, well, if I play music that is 60 beats per minute or something slow and soothing, your heartbeat, without your knowing it or trying to make it happen, will naturally, over time, entrain or synchronize with the beat. Mm. At least it will decrease. You know, it may not get down. If I'm playing something very, very, very slow, um, it won't get as slow, but it will certainly alter the heartbeat in that direction. And so, in terms of using it for pain perception, we have watched patients who are in surgery, I literally go into the operating room with them, and we've seen what patients like most, Mm -hmm. what music is most endearing to them, is what they respond to best. So I may stand next to them, next to the anesthesiologist, right at their head, and sing to them Mm -hmm. something that is very endearing to them, Mm -hmm. and watch them fall asleep with such ease mm-hmm. or watch their heart rate and blood pressure uh, change for um, a more relaxing induction. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, uh, patients who are giving birth, uh, I've gone into labor and delivery with uh, music-assisted labor and delivery, and we watch the mother tell us that they perceive of less pain. We've mm. measured this through some standardized measures than those who we don't give music therapy That must to. be a remarkable experience. Now, do you talk to them ahead of time to find out what means the most to them? Definitely. And we sometimes bring examples with me, too. So I may have about 10 different excerpts from uh, different types of instruments playing or um, singing, different genres of music. Some people are more classical oriented. Some people like hymns and anthems and spiritual songs. So mm-hmm. I will try to bring excerpts of those things with me and let them choose. Now, you've, you've focused specifically uh, for a while now on cancer treatment. Is that not right? Yes, indeed. Yeah. There's a lot of, of anxiety, nausea, um, what we've done, when a person is getting ready for, let's say, chemotherapy treatment, for example, I might try to refocus their attention on something musical and pleasurable. And that could mean presenting them with an instrument mm-hmm. that's easy to play, that they oh. can be engaged with. Uh-huh. Uh, it could mean writing a song with them to express their thoughts and their feelings and mm. their hopes. It could mean gathering the nurses and the physicians and singing to them, uh, tout ensemble, all of us together, wow. uh, in order to, of, of a song that I've created that expresses some of the quirky things they've been come, they've known for over An the time. An impromptu choir, huh? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, you, you spoke in, uh, mainly in terms of uh, pain management, and I know that's Dr. Mulder's uh, area of interest, but have you seen any examples of, uh, beyond that, of healing? Well, when I think of healing, I look at it as um, on many levels. For example, we had a, a father who had not who had been estranged from his son for well over five years. Mm -hmm. And he knew that his days were numbered. And uh, I asked him if he could compose a song for someone, Mm -hmm. for whom would it be and what would he say? And he began to talk about his son. And um, so I wrote the song for him. I printed it out. We recorded it together. And then we called his son and were able to present that in person. He wanted his son not just to get a CD, but he wanted him to hear it live. Wow. So it was a means. And I, I think in my heart of heart, that's healing. Oh, yeah. Beyond, beyond anything that medicine could ever do. Yeah, you should see yeah. the look on Michael's face oh, as you yeah. tell that story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by how something so simple can intensely bring to the moment the power to 
change to mm. to affect people in ways that um, they ordinarily would not. Mm. It's it's literally a gift uh, yeah. beyond measure. Uh, Dr. Lane, as a professional, but as a as a person of faith, does this open doors, and how far can you go? Mm. That is a question I I really um, struggled with initially because I feel that going into a room where I know a person's uh, not one of faith, I know, in fact, a person will tell me outright, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't have a religion, I'm not into this spirituality, I don't want to, um, I don't pray, I don't go to a church, don't want to, Mm -hmm. that's not a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And yet, we, I can engage them in music. We have a wonderful time together. They say, this is the best I've felt in mm. days. Please come back. Mm. And I think to myself, I used to walk out, Wayne, and say, in lieu of eternity, what have I done? Mm. You know, I may have made a person smile for a minute or, or enjoy um, a part of their day, but in terms of looking at what lies ahead, and the thing that is most important, our salvation, our soul, mm-hmm. what, what is that? Mm-hmm. You know, what is making them smile? But I think that the Lord has given me a way to look at that over the years. You may do the watering dephoria, mm-hmm. you may do the seed dropping, you may simply open the window, yeah. but do what it is I will direct, and let me take care of the rest. Be faithful and obedient in Mm -hmm. that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and I can say just from our first meeting, uh, DeForia, that the Lord has given you a wonderful presence uh, that I think uh, says more than a lot of us uh, can ever realize. So uh, I know if I was in the hospital hurting, I would love for you to come. (laughs) (laughs) You better think twice, Michael, because one of the things I tell a patient, anything you say may be held against you, so be careful. (laughs) And why do I think you mean that? (laughs) Well, our our time is gone, but we've got to come back to this, and I hope you'll agree to come back with us sometime and talk more about this. As a matter of fact, if listeners want to read about this, Michael, DeForia has a book, Music as Medicine. It's published by Zondervan, and we can put information about this on our website. Yes. And it, it's your life story, right, Dr. Lane? Yes, it is. Um, it talks about the work I do here with patients and the work I used to do with children with mental retardation using wow. music therapy. Well, we need to look next time more specifically at some of those areas mm-hmm. and, uh, and have you explain more to us how the Lord has used you to minister to those through music. Well, thank you. Yeah, so it's great to introduce you to the people that listen to this program as our, as our new friend. Well, thank yeah. you. And thank you for joining us today here in the studio with Michael Card. We hope that if you've enjoyed the music and conversation for this session that you'll let us know. The email address is simply in the studio at michaelcard.com. And through the web, you can stay connected with all that's going on behind the scenes. Our address is michaelcard.com. If you missed any part of the broadcast, we hope you'll take full advantage of our radio archive. And now you can access the program through our podcast. You can find the program by typing Michael Card when you search the iTunes podcast directory. And another way to be reminded of today's session is through our email devotion. You can find out how to access this and see a complete listen of Michael's music and books, all at michaelcard.com. The scripture text used today were from the New Living Translation. Our producer is Joe Carlson, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Carr. In the studio with Michael Carr is a production of Community Broadcasting and the Moody Broadcasting Network.